2: design is all about solving dilemmas and when you go into a room and you've got like a beautiful view and landscape in which to look at I always let the architecture and the space itself tell me what it needs first.
1: Hi everyone I'm Jamie Derringer. I'm Amy Devers and this is Clever and today we're talking to interior designer Lauren Mack. You've seen Lauren on TV shows like Trading Spaces, Fab Life, and Homemade Simple. In fact, Lauren and I worked together on Trading Spaces back at the tail end of the original run of the series, so I know what a savvy designer, hard worker, and fun personality she is. Plus, she has got sass and style for miles.
0: She grew up in the South, has street art and hip-hop in her DNA, and loves to help people achieve affordable luxury through her design firm, Lauren Mack Interiors. You can also access her style tips and budget wisdom on Yelp. She's their new home editor. So let's hear all about it from Lauren. My name
2: is Lauren Mack. I'm from Los Angeles, California, and I'm an interior designer because it's in my
1: DNA. Yes, it is in your DNA. I've seen it in action. (laughs) (laughs) But let's go back to way before you were an interior designer when you were just... A baby in Oklahoma City, right? Is that where you were born? Yes, that's right. Southern girl. Tell us all about your yeah. childhood, your family, your hometown.
2: Oh, well, well, you know, I grew up in Oklahoma City, right next to the capital of the city. So I'm actually a city girl by Oklahoma standards. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I was... Uh, born to a mom and dad, uh, didn't have any siblings for quite a while. My sister wasn't born until I was 9, so I was kind of an only kid, which really afforded my family an opportunity to really immerse themselves in nurturing my my talents. So I was really big into art. I used to love to go to art classes and paint and and draw. My mom was um was a great she made all of our clothes back in the day. So I used to love to watch and sit her so really So I, just, I think I got ex- yeah. That's the country in us. You know, we make our own clothes. Yeah, I love it. (laughs) And so I just remember watching my mom as a little girl. She'd make our clothes. She would uh, make our Christmas tree decorations. And we didn't have a lot of money, but I didn't know that because my mom always made our home so warm and inviting and friendly and, and decorated so well. So it's just something that I think came naturally early on.
1: Was your mom also working or was she a full time, like as they used to say, homemaker?
2: Oh yeah. No, she was, she worked. She was a nurse and my dad was a dentist, but they were young when they had me. They were in their, you know, mid twenties. So they were just getting off their feet, you know, getting their careers established and, you know, they didn't have their The typical nurse and dental income that we have grown to expect these days.
1: (laughs) But I also uh, read that your dad was a real estate developer or home flipper.
2: That's my stepfather. Oh, we're getting... Was my
1: stepfather. So that's later. That's later. (laughs) A little later on. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That was
2: a little later on. You know, my parents got a divorce when I was about 14. And that's kind of where things for me really kind of started to accelerate. I was in high school at the time. I was into art. I'd gone to an actual arts uh, high school. My major was was the academic part of it, the IB major, but I took all my extra courses in art. And I really just, you know, really excelled in those classes. And I was interested in those classes over the math and the science and stuff. And so actually what happened, what really started getting things, the ball rolling on my career was that we had a, some exchange students that would come from Europe, like Germany and Austria and things of that nature. And they were the cool kids. They were the girls that I wanted to hang with, you know, the real badasses, the ones that used to sit behind the bleachers and smoke cigarettes, you know? Yeah. (laughs) And that was my crowd, you know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) I would hang with those girls, girls and guys, actually. They were the skaters and the cool kids, you know? I would go back with them and they, they were into graffiti, into street art. And so I remember sneaking out of my mom's house in the middle of the night, oh, I'm going over to my girlfriend's house. And instead, I, we'd be running through the train yards painting. There's a lot of train yards in Oklahoma, as you can probably imagine. We'd spend our evenings and nights, you know, painting murals on the sides of trains. And, and they taught me about the, the street art culture, the graffiti culture, you know, how your art gets really shared with the world through that mm-hmm. that medium. And so... At the time I had this souped up Honda Civic. You guys remember those days like the the, the Honda Civics that were, you know, with the cool rims and the funny lights and the
0: did you know, race like car a big spoiler on the back. You know I
2: did girl. <laughs> spent all of my spent all of my after school money on that on that damn car. And it was dope. It was super cool. My little car club was called Illusion. Oh. You know? <laughs> and so my dream was that I was going to sell the Honda and I was going to travel through Europe with these friends that I had made and I was going to become an artist. However, my mother was like, absolutely not. I didn't work this hard to, have to send your black ass to Europe. <laughs> <laughs> so she said, you got to go to college. And I was like, damn, you know, at that point, I, I had less interest in my academic studies and more of a fever, a passion for the arts, you know. Mm-hmm. And then I was immersed in a culture that wasn't really exposed to most Oklahoma girls.
1: Yeah. So you yeah, had so you I- had a window that not everybody had absolutely were your parents supportive of your passion for the arts or they were kind of like okay it's okay for a hobby but at some point you got to get real no actually that's
2: exactly the opposite which i was really surprised about you know my dad was a dentist but he'd always wanted to be an architect and his mother said you gotta go to school architecture wasn't something that was really like a trend or anything that actually had any grasp on society at that point what was that like in the early 70s you know okay yeah Certainly not for a young black guy from Tulsa, Oklahoma, you know, Mm -hmm. my mother was so good at art. It it was her passion, but it wasn't something that she had also invested her career into doing. When I told them that I didn't want to be in the medical profession, I think they felt a bit relieved, Oh, you know, and were were really fostering my desire to do something artistic. However, they said, you've got to find a medium in which you can actually make money doing it, like just wanting to be an artist wasn't enough. You know, I had to find like a, a niche or some place that I could really express it in a way that they, you know, that was economically viable. <sighs> yes,
1: exactly. The train, I wasn't the coming train back yards home. aren't paying you to vandalize. <laughs> <laughs>
2: exactly. And, and I had several quick run-ins with the law too, you know? <laughs> Plus I'm not fast. I can't run from the police. <laughs> So my mom said, you know, I want you to be a trained artist. I want you to get the educational background, the business know-how, you know what I mean? Like sort of the things that all you need is four years to get those important things down if there's some specialty you find and you want to do something else go for it. And that was our compromise. So I kept the Honda. <laughs> and I went to Oklahoma State.
0: <laughs> and is that and where you studied interior design? Or did you try some other stuff out first? Or
2: No, I, you know what, I, my mom said, you know, if you want to be an artist, you got to find a way to make money at it. So I said, well, I love, love, love art. And I also had this sort of innate, remember when I told you it's in my DNA? Mm -hmm. When I was a little girl, I had this babysitter that lived around the corner from me. And I would go to her house and I would fluff her pillows. She'd leave the room and I'd turn her couch the right way, pull it (laughs) off the wall. I'd fluff her pillows up. I'd, you know, I'd change her little photographs on the mantelpiece. And she'd walk back in and she'd go, wow, this looks great. That that's the kind of weird kid I was. I was always like rearranging things, and I, you know, I'd look at a picture that was crooked and fix it on the wall at someone's house, or you know, I'd go somewhere and make someone's bed. <laughs> <laughs> Just this weird kid, you know. I feel like I kind of had like a like Asperger's, if you will, like about it. It was it was something I couldn't help myself. I still to this day will go to people's houses and fluff their pillows. There are worse things
1: you could do in other people's houses. It's true. You're
2: right. (laughs) So I said, you know what? I think I have something here. Like it was just something that was kind of innate. I was like, well, you know, I really like houses. I I found it really interesting. Uh, My mother's boyfriend at the time, he was into flipping homes. And and I, I liked going with them and reading their blueprints. And I had a great gay uncle who was a real estate agent. And he would always like to take me on open houses with him. And I remember just kind of finding that interesting and something I enjoyed. And so when it came to college, I was like, you know what? I love art. I like homes. You know, let's see if I can not just blend this together and, into a career that maybe could work for me. And the very first day I went to school and, and my first interior design class, I felt like I was home. Oh. And I never changed my major. It was the only thing I wanted to do. And I went to class every day,
0: <laughs> which was a big change from high school.
1: Right. No, no skipping class to go do the painting because you could do it at school. That's exactly. I loved it. But I,
0: I mean, isn't that such a great feeling to like finally find something that you're passionate and excited about so much so that like, you don't have to drag yourself out of bed or hit snooze and not yeah. want to go. It, it's so motivating and yeah. exciting.
2: And you know what, too? Unlike my dad, who didn't have like a lot of uh, examples or even know that something that he was passionate about, had a career, an opportunity for a career. I remember watching um, Designing Women. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I remember saying, oh, my God, if I could be Julia Sugarbaker one day. Like, I just wanted to be her. I love that she had her own business. I love that she wore fancy clothes. I love that she had a southern accent. I love, <laughs> I love that she could cuss you out without saying a bad word. Uh, <laughs> and she had a degree in interior design. So that I remember thinking, like, oh, wow, like, I could
1: actually really do this, you know? That's so – okay, so we're going to get there, but I love the TV – had a formative role in your early life. After college, like, what was the first chapter of your professional story? I got to go back a little bit.
2: I went, to, I went to school for two years at Oklahoma State. And then I was like, you know what, I'm not only in love with this career, I'm I'm good at it. And I was so good at it. My professors were like giving me extra work and extra credit and letting me help them with their projects. And, and I was like, yo, this is actually going to take off. Like, I can do something with this, you know? Mm -hmm. And I thought, I can't do it from Oklahoma. I got to do something bigger. And I'd always wanted to go to Europe and I always wanted to kind of get out. And my parents said, you know what? You are good at this and we don't want to hold you back. You should consider going to college in a different city. And at this point they were going, hey, do you want to go to Europe? You know, do you want to travel abroad and go to school in another country? And I really did, but I was still a little bit trepidatious about leaving, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I said, let me just see what I can do. So I actually went uh, to this the dean's office and they had a national exchange program versus an international exchange program, mm-hmm. which let me pay in-state tuition, but go to school in a different community. And I was like, where is the hub of design? And it was New York or LA and I like warm weather. <laughs> so I was like, let's go to, to LA. And I came to California and I haven't left yet. That's really kind of what started to spark my interest in taking this career to a totally different level. Because I was, you know, interning for some really cool companies and seeing some things that, you know, I would have never had the opportunity to see if I had stayed in Oklahoma.
1: What are some of those things that you saw that made an impression on you? So I actually interned
2: for E Networks in college. Okay. And they were going through their company rebrand at the time, which was they were taking their next steps and kind of developing themselves as the channel to the stars or the celebrity driven content that they do now. So they were really hyping up their... Their facilities and just making it presentable for all of the, the, you know, the highfalutin. That's what we call it in Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> for the, you know, celebrities that they, that they were trying to court. So I got to kind of get in on the ground up from there, which I thought was really, really fun, just to kind of witness the rebranding and rebirth of a new company. And then I also got to tour, you know, with our college, they would let us tour like sets and go to different television opportunities or go to different movie sets and watch them put up their sets and the stage people and all that stuff. It was just really, really, to me, amazing. It just
1: drew me in like a moth to a flame. I'm really glad to hear this because it sounds like you got a window into really how how pop culture is constructed. Yes, yes. And so when you're designing on TV, I've always had a sense that you had a real understanding that you're not just designing for the people who live in the home. You're designing for the audience who's watching as well. And that's kind of a it's a skill to do that and you've got it in spades. So Well
2: thank you. <laughs> you know, I try I try my best. Design for a specific places is is one thing, but designing for the camera and how the camera sees something is a completely different avenue. And, you know, d- to, to delicately balance the two, it really is, it does take a lot of thought and a lot of planning, to be honest with you. There's a lot of tricks that they don't teach you in school that you have to learn in the trenches.
1: Yes, but I'm going to go even a step further, but there's a, a certain charisma philosophy and logic behind your design that you have to be able to let the viewer in on in order to help them be invested in why you're doing it. And you're also very good at doing that. Well, thank you. Go on. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. So working, being an intern at E and doing all that, that was sort of your first steps into the professional world. And then did you decide that you wanted to get into TV from there or did you decide you wanted to start your own business
2: or what? You know what? TV chose me, darling. Oh, how lucky for us
1: that TV found you.
2: (laughs) It just found me. Actually, I'm going to tell you a very interesting story, and I want everyone to pull up close. Okay. My very first job out of college was designing model homes for a very large merchandising firm here in Los Angeles. And what that means is that, you know, when you go to these new building home sites and they've got like three or four models with the big signs and the big flags out in front... My company did all of the models for all of those homes. So we did everything from the paint, the curtains, the carpeting, the, you know, rugs, the bedding, all of that stuff. And I started as a junior designer and rose really fast because I was good at what I did and I knew how to help build a team. And so we would, I was an award winning firm and we won a lot of awards and I was working there for about three years. And then the bubble started to pop on the home building industry. So this was at around 2006, 7-ish. Mm-hmm. I could start seeing that my team was dwindling, and I knew I was next. And one day at lunch, I was sitting there. I, the girls had gone to lunch, and I was sitting in my car. And do you guys remember those sidekick phones, you know, with the swivel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And little toggle on the side? Yes, yeah. yes, yes. It was like the first phone with the internet. Do you guys remember that? Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, I was sitting in my car and I said, let me just see what other opportunities are out here for interior design. So I went on Craigslist and there on Craigslist was an an ad for an opportunity to audition for a trading spaces like television show. And I was like, well, shit, you know, I got a couple pictures of my work because we had won all these awards. I like television. I like watching television. In fact, I thought I was going to be Oprah. (laughs) <laughs> and and I said let me see you know let me just throw my coin in the hat and see if what happens for me so I sent a couple of images of my work and they asked me to come in and the very first day I did that audition I'd never been on an audition before never done television before I don't even remember the audition I just remember walking out and like I couldn't breathe I knew something had changed and I got the call a couple of weeks later That I
1: got the show and it was Trading Spaces. Yeah. It wasn't a Trading (laughs) Spaces. It wasn't a Trading Spaces (laughs) like show. It was actual Trading Spaces. (laughs) Yes,
2: absolutely. And I was like, oh boy, what the hell is going on now? Like things had really ramped up a bit and I knew that there was a completely different trajectory coming for me and I just had to hold on and, and see what
1: happens. Okay, so I have some really specific questions. How many seasons of Trading Spaces did you do? I did two, but they actually, technically, it's two. But it was
2: one long extended season, and then another season thereafter. Okay, so it was a three-year, three-year deal, but it was a two considered two two seasons.
1: Okay, so in that three years, and I know how intense the TV schedule can be. Were you also working on your own business on the side, or was did TV take over?
2: I did actually. I would take clients. I have you know just some personal residential clients. But TV was pretty intense. And, you know, we're, with Trading Spaces, you're traveling all over. I mean, there there was, what, 13 episodes? Or no, sorry, 26 episodes at a time. So you could be on as much as, like, 10 of those. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It was pretty intense. And, you know, you're traveling all over the world and then preparing for each episode prior to it. So it was... It was, a, it really left little to be desired here at home.
1: Did you enjoy that intense, that sort of, I mean, I always felt like it was, I'm doing what I love, but with a gun to my head. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. You know,
2: it's like high school or college. You're like, oh, I got all this work to do. And then you look back and you're like, damn, those are the best years of my yeah,
0: life. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and you don't realize how good you got it because, because then you go to another production, and you're like, dang, they had a great budget, and they had great catering, and we got to sit in business class, you know what I mean? So, yes, I did enjoy it. I really did. It was it was a lot of work, Amy. You know, I the know. toil, the time. There, Those were back in the days when I felt like there wasn't any, you know, mandate on how long you had to be working and under what conditions either, you know? No. Like, now there's union stuff, and people are like, oh, it's 5.30, gotta go.
1: Right, yeah, no, <laughs> I mean, it really was – Two days to get that makeover done. And I remember, you know, if I didn't have that shit built, I stayed late until it was built. Sometimes, you know, into the wee hours of the night. Sometimes I got up before Home Depot opened so I could be there when they unlocked the doors if I needed. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? I know. And sometimes we drank wine in your hotel room, figuring out what we were going to do the next day. (laughs) You're right. That was the best part of it all. I know. (laughs)
2: Uh, I remember we we made, I don't know, if, I don't remember if you were there or not, but I remember we made like a thousand, folded a thousand paper cranes to make this light fixture that I had envisioned. And, and like, it was an all hands on deck approach. <laughs> and before I knew it, it was like 40 people in my room were all smoking cigarettes and drinking <laughs> liquor, folding paper cranes, you know? <laughs> By any means necessary. Exactly.
1: Thank God for Amazon. I bet you could just buy a box of them now. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> right yeah, it was sort of um work hard, play hard mentality for sure. I definitely I mean, it took a toll because i I don't know about you. I, I think it's probably the same. But when you get home from those jags, you like the recovery time was kind of yes equally it
2: was so intense you're yeah. absolutely right but I, again i wouldn't trade it for the world like looking back and not being in it now i'm like man i miss those days it was really good stuff
1: <laughs> well okay so let's move on from trading spaces because i know you did a uh, drill team on a and e and then for several years you did fab life which is a daytime talk show in a studio which i'm yeah kind of curious how that is because that seems cush. ICFF, North America's leading platform for contemporary design, will take place from May 19th to the 21st at the Javits Center in New York City. I'll be there, and I'm excited to let you know how clever is collaborating with ICFF for Launchpad at Wanted, formerly known as Wanted Design Manhattan, and the Emerging Designer Showcase. And they will go on to be featured in another edition of the popular Emerging Designers Showcase. I'll be leading the Emerging Designers Showcase live on the talk's main stage, where the five Launchpad finalists will have a chance to present their projects to our esteemed panel of professionals. It's always a really good time. So mark your calendars for Sunday, May 19th at 4 p.m. Both Launchpad and the Emerging Designer Showcase are presented with media partners Clever, that's us, and Design Milk, and with support from American Standard and Lumens. Visit icff.com to learn more and register to attend. Those are the letters icff.com. Come by and say hi. I would love to see you there. Support for Clever comes from Wix Studio. Instead of reading you another, let's be honest, boring ad script, Wix Studio just sent me this wild-looking Alice in Wonderland-themed website to scroll through and tell you about. So, whoa. This is not the web I'm used to. There's something called Mouse Parallax, which makes it feel like you can go deeper into the screen. And as I scroll down, it's like I'm falling down the rabbit hole, and things are moving in depth and perspective...
2: You have no idea, dude. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, well. First of all, did you see my co-hosts, which were absolutely amazing? I mean, I literally I got to sit next to Chrissy Teigen, the world's most beautiful human being, every day. <laughs> wow. And like, we would share drinks and food, and I got to look lovingly into her eyes for hours on end, three days a week, which. I mean, I don't know how. And the only person who else can say that is John Legend himself. So that's pretty fucking cool. But I also got to uh, you know work with Tyra Banks, which she's an amazing, amazing mentor for me. She's been really, really instrumental in like keeping in contact with me and inviting me places and giving me opportunity that I I never would have thought I would have. And so I'm so grateful to her for even having that show put together. Joe Z is a dear friend of mine. He's uh, he's another. He's a fashion insider, and he's got his fingers on the pulse of everything amazing. And I got to hang out with him. He would invite me to, you know, have, go to a party and it'd be Chris Jenner there. And I'm like, holy shit. We'd walk in with Cindy Crawford and I'm like, Jesus Christ,
1: I'm a black girl from Oklahoma. That is some (laughs) uh, high lifery. (laughs) I'm telling you. (laughs) So I I
2: mean, I I paid my dues in those training spaces days, but I feel like that was like the culmination, the cake that I was waiting on. And, and you know what? I, I don't say think that it's over. I feel like that's just another stone to step on along this way. Mm-hmm.
1: hmm And do you feel like media is going to be a... Is that something that you're still drawn to, like a moth to a flame?
2: You know, once you've been bitten, it's hard to get out. I, I, can't, I can't see myself
1: doing anything else. Well, I can't see you doing anything it. else either.
2: <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm really grateful, especially right now. I have a... a the new opportunities that are in front of me are even more wonderful. Like I still get to express my design talents these last few seasons of homemade simple, which is on the Oprah Winfrey network. Hello. Oprah's my boss. (laughs) 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 And also, you know, traveling around the community, this country and getting to work with Yelp, I'm the home editor uh, for Yelp, which is an amazing opportunity. I get to go on all kinds of fun talk shows and morning shows and news shows and really uh, share the amazing request a quote feature that they have now and talk about design and DIY and just – I'm so blessed to have these opportunities.
0: Yeah, so you're still doing all these media and and TV-related gigs. So um, how has that affected your professional practice? Like what does – what does that look like now? Are you still taking on clients? How How is that yeah. working? Yeah,
2: Well, so it's really great because I get to it diversifies my expertise. I'm meeting all kinds of great people. I mean, like I said, go, I'm the home editor for Yelp, going out and being able to share their message with other people, I get to talk about real estate, I get to talk about renovation, I get to talk about DIY. And so it really like helps me to kind of broaden my strokes, if you will, like so that people are, don't just see me as a designer. I mean, I am a real estate expert. And I know a lot, a lot, a lot about it. So it's fun to be able to share that everywhere.
0: So let's talk about your creative process. Because I'm more interested, I think, in how you approach interior design. I'd love to just hear a little bit more about like when you walk into a room or a space, or when you meet people for the first time, Like, what's the first question you ask them?
2: You know what? I always refer to my clients and what their needs and and desires and goals are. But my very first thing is going into the space and I need the space to speak to me. Mm -hmm. A lot of times it's uh, design is all about solving dilemmas. And when you go into a room and you've got like a funky shaped room or a weird architectural feature or a beautiful view and landscape in which to look at, I always let the architecture and the space itself tell me what it needs Mm -hmm. first you know i solved the i solved the problem first you know like it can be as simple as for your for the for the people who are listening right now it can be as simple as like all right if i'm going to use this room as a tv room where am i going to put my tv okay there now from there i can know how to figure out where i'm going to arrange things how i'm going to put things in this space you know what i want to do for the rest of the st- the area and the, the rest of the space in the home like it's about that first and then I always ask my clients, of course, what they like and what they, you know, colors and fabrics and shapes and blah, blah, blah. But I always ask my clients what they don't like too. It's really important to know what people absolutely don't want to see in their homes first. And then I just kind of let the, let the experience flow from there. And what kind of
0: creative challenges do you enjoy when it comes to interior design? (laughs)
2: I hate challenges. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I want everyone to have lots of money and no opinions. (laughs) Um, Actually, I I really do find that like budgetary challenges are kind of some of my biggest successes. You know, when Mm -hmm. people, I can go in anyone's house. I mean, I've done a lot of A-list celebrities' homes, but when someone tells me like a regular Joe Schmo, one of my girlfriends who just moved to a new apartment says, okay, girl, we got $500. What can we do? Like that to me is a challenge. Just like with trading spaces where we had a limited amount of budget, I liked that. I like being able to be constrained because I grew up not having a lot of money and we made the best of it. So I find that I get my biggest challenge from being limited.
0: Mm, yeah, sometimes restrictions can really force you to be even more creative than you yeah. would if you had every option possible.
2: Yes, but that doesn't mean I don't still like really rich clients. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, okay, we heard it. You put that out there in the universe. Everyone who's listening is rich, call me. <laughs> <laughs> but. There is a resourcefulness, like a scrappiness and a resourcefulness that yeah. comes from budgetary constraints because you have to get super creative about what you can do with the money. And I feel like that kind of also comes from, I don't know, it, it might have its origins in your street art sensibility. Like,
2: Yeah. And more importantly, too, you know any old designer you get a lot of these hoity-toity designers that are coming to your house and tell you to get rid of everything and start fresh and everything must be custom you know I really enjoy like shopping in my clients garages Go, you know Mm -hmm. mixing the retail with some resale you know remixing things you already got and kind of trying to reimagine it in a new way I find that those are the ways that you actually create instances for your clients that they can relate to you know what I mean instead of getting rid of everything it's like hey why don't we remix it you know take something from one room and move it into another. Those kinds of things are, that's what a good designer would do. How about
1: that? Well, I appreciate that too because as a furniture designer, I really value the relationship you form with the objects that are in your yeah. home. And I find that like, they're members of the family. You can't just cast yeah. them off. If they're not valuable to begin with, you never should have bought them. But if you've lived with them for 10 years, now they have. you have a relationship with it. <laughs> yes.
2: And the energy too. You know, yeah. I think to myself how, I, I'm a conservationist. I don't believe in throwing a lot of stuff away my partner can't stand when I how much stuff I re- want to reuse. You know, <laughs> he's like another plastic bag. Yes, another. Plastic <laughs> bag. Um, but I, I don't believe in just buying furniture to have. I believe in buying furniture to collect, and it's. I feel like my things are my collections.
1: Yeah. You know? Not to put you in a spot where you got to talk trash, but I really want to <laughs> know, like, what's what drives you crazy. About either TV or in interior design, like what's your biggest pet peeve?
2: You know, I think a lot of it is for me. I travel so frequently with work, and my clients and projects are scattered all over. And for me, I feel like the challenge for as a designer and even as a as a basically a salesperson because I'm talking to my clients and trying to help them find the things that they need in their spaces is really finding good help, you know, and who to trust and where to go to get a really valuable person to help me to create my vision. Cause I, I can create a vision, but I'm not a painter girl. Mm-hmm. And it's, I always say it don't say painter on my business card. <laughs> and, and, I, and, I, and I don't know how to lay carpet. I know what carpet I want, but I don't know how to put it down there. And so for me, always finding good help in different places has really been a challenge. And actually, that's really why I partnered up with Yelp as their home editor, because they have this really cool feature that I've uh, found on their website. It's called Request a Quote. And what's really awesome about their Request a Quote feature is that you get to like type in what your project is on your little app, and then you get to actually request a quote from up to 10 people in the, uh, in your local area right there. And they've all been peer reviewed by other people who've had experiences with them. So it's kind of cool. You can kind of read through who's the best and whatnot. And then within 24 hours, you get 10 quotes back exactly right then and there. So that's been one of my biggest things that I've learned in this career that's really helped me because I'm super challenged by finding the right people for the right job. Now in television, what's my biggest uh, challenge? <laughs> Finding a job, <laughs> 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 keeping a job, <laughs> right? You know, television, television is fickle, and you know, one day your show's on, and the next it's not. Yeah. And right now for television, it's a lo- especially in, in in our areas, Amy. It's it's uh, you know flipping houses, and if you don't flip flip houses, then you're kind of I'm kind of screwed. (laughs) When I started this, this life, when I started television, I said, you know what, what do I want to do with this? Like, where do I see this career going? How do I see, what do I want to be? And I I said, you know what, I'd like to be the next Martha Stewart. I want to be a black Martha Stewart. You know, I want to, I want to take this career and do something amazing with it. And there's just not crafting shows on TV, you know, Mm -hmm. even like cooking shows. Now they're like challenges, (laughs) you know? (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah. And,
2: and there's just not those like those old like Bob Ross style, you know, instructional videos about how to do something, but I'm going to bring it back, baby.
1: So that's what I was going to ask. Like if you could pitch and sell your ideal television show, what would it be yeah. and what would your role in it be?
2: Okay, so I love DIY classes and workshops. In fact, I had just to give you a little background. I had before I had Preston, my son. I had a uh, or before I even met his father, I had um, moved to Hawaii. And when I got there, I said, you know, I'm going to do this. I I moved there on a whim. I went on vacation, fell in love with this fine Samoan man. (laughs) Oh, honey. With his glistening muscles and beautiful green eyes. It was a, it was a vision. <laughs> and I, I said, you know what? I'm moving to Hawaii. Screw it. I'm saying television at that time. I had just uh, finished wrapping Drill Team and things were kind of dry. And I, I didn't know what the next step was. And, you know, being in television for so long and having traveled so long, I hadn't immersed myself in my personal business to the point where it was a long and fruitful career. It was just kind of like, all right, here's a new client for this month, and then there'd be one the next month. But I needed consistency.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And so I, I wanted to change a pace and I decided to move to Hawaii. And there I things really took off for me and I had amassed a ridiculous clientele um just by self-promotion and and consistently putting myself in front of the community. And I started getting bored with design there because it's an island. There was three furniture stores. There was one Michaels. You know what I mean? I was, I found myself like, you know, making my own art to hang on people's wall because I was literally, there was literally nothing there to use in terms of decor and all of these things. So I started uh, these workshops. I call them the after workshop, which was kind of like a paint and sip class, you know, Mm -hmm. Pinterest worthy crafting. It was, it wasn't just glue sticks and, and popsicle sticks. It was you know, really uh, professional grade crafting. And that took off really well, and, and I loved teaching the classes. And then from there, I, I started another workshop called uh, Homeschool that was a little bit bigger. Amy, I don't know why I didn't call you. You would have been perfect for it.
1: Because I don't I know why fly. you didn't call me either. I know. What the hell? <laughs> my phone didn't <laughs> ring. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would, I'm sorry. And I'll make up for it one of these days.
2: Trust me. Okay. Um, we, we would. Uh, I would fly in my other friends from Trading Spaces days and, and get them out there. And they would teach a, a one-day workshop on building furniture or building things with wood and, and just to create the home of people's dreams. And so I really found that teaching was my passion. I I got a lot out of it and I enjoyed witnessing, you know, artists kind of blossom and seeing their own take on how to apply the things that I was teaching them. And so I learned, like, I really enjoy this instructional. So, sorry, going back to what your question is, what do I see myself doing? I would like to do like sort of a step-by-step process of DIY Mm -hmm. to empower people to learn how to use tools and, and products you know, and, and and make mistakes. I found that, like, it, through making mistakes, sometimes people's projects turned out better than what I was teaching
1: them. Right. I like talking about this because I think what you're saying is your real interest is in imparting genuine, trustworthy, real information, not, like, phony, stakes-driven drama. There you go. And... It's also about authenticity of process, meaning let people, yes. let it unfold the way it's going to unfold yeah. and work with it as it happens, because there's just as much to learn in that and including yes. happy accidents.
2: Exactly. You took the words out of my mouth. You want to write me as, want to help write the, write the the treatment? I don't know.
1: Maybe <laughs> if you had called me in Hawaii to do your
2: ah, <laughs> I'll just take you on a trip. I'll, I'll just take you on a trip to Hawaii. You don't have to work. Oh, that's even better. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I, but I, I, I think of, like, Bob Ross meets Paula Dean without the crazy shit.
1: With no racism. Then...
2: <laughs> yeah, with no racism. Bob Ross meets Paula Dean means Martha Stewart, meets Laura Mac. Yeah. Or Oprah. Yeah. You know, I, my vision for it, just to kind of, like, make it a little more fun and useful would be to have, like, some cool celebrities. Like, can you imagine me and Justin Bieber making a DIY project? Like, how rad would that be? And getting to know something about them, too. Yeah. I love that it. That sounds fun. Any old excuse to meet Justin Bieber.
1: Well, I always wanted to teach <laughs> Oprah to use power tools because she's yes! the most empowered woman in the world, right? Yes. And have you ever seen Oprah with a power tool? No, I haven't seen it. No. No. I haven't either. And I've watched damn near every
2: episode all twenty five <laughs> years.
0: <laughs> Do you have any um, like creative superpowers? Like would you say you're an expert in in a specific thing?
2: You know, I don't think anyone's ever fully all the way con- I, I hate to use the word expert because oh I I hate the word expert.
1: I hate it. Right? Oh, sorry. Oh, I hate the No, 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 Jamie, You use it. It's fine. It's but Lauren and I and I have had to define ourselves as home improvement experts or lifestyle experts or design yeah. experts. And I've always felt like ah uh, I hate being in the position where I'm the one who's supposed to have all the answers and teach you all the information when I want to be the one asking questions, hence this podcast. Now I'm the one asking questions.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You know what, though? I I always tell clients and people, there's a thin line between do it yourself and screw it yourself. (laughs) And I think, like, I'm constantly (laughs) toting that line. (laughs) I am only, I'm a teacher. I'm a guide. I'm I, I allow people to express themselves and create stuff and mess it up too. And like, I screw up often. I cannot tell you. My career. What you see right now in front of you is the highlight reel. You don't see the times that I fucked it up <laughs> a lot. <laughs> and I'm sorry to the people that I did that to. I'm so sorry to my first clients.
0: Oh, I uh, mean, I, I would love to know like something that, that happened. See, like, Oh my God. What, I'm sh- what I'm, did I'm you like fuck up? Like, cringy. is there anything funny?
2: <laughs> yeah, I can tell you two examples that come to mind immediately. I, when I was in college, I had this part-time job at this uh, company called a designer's eye. It doesn't exist anymore, but it was kind of like a... I don't know. You'd hire people. I don't know how you, what do we even have on our internet now? It's kind of like a, a you know, you, they have the nanny services where you go in and type in your project and then they'd send you a nanny or tell me kids you got and then they send you somebody at your house. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was like that. People would reach out to them through the, internet. this is in the infancy of the internet, by the way. So it was really before it's time. But this company would basically be the liaison between you and a designer and they would send a designer to your house. So I was in college. I was like, oh, yeah, I know how to paint your cabinets. Sure. <laughs> and so I went one time, this this couple had bought this beautiful ranch home in, in, in California and I was like, they were like, oh, we'd really like to paint our cabinets this weekend. And I was like, Sure. I had never painted a cabinet in my life. And I just, I remember seeing the goopy streaks and it was like <laughs> drying and like, and I was like trying to save it by adding more paint. Oh and like, no, oh, it's coming oh, up. And, <laughs> and I, hadn't, I hadn't prepped him right. And like, I had no idea about what I was doing, but I was like, you know, ever so confidently like, yeah, we can do it. <laughs> and then another, another client had asked me, had wanted a bathroom renovation and I chose these awful pictures i don't know what i was thinking they were like shells and then and it had like the the original tile which was like pink and blue original tile and you know how that is in in la it's like really you know amazing tile but Mm -hmm. i tied it in with these goofy shell pictures and painted one wall purple and like oh god girl i cringe i cringe i die i'm so embarrassed like i i want to meet them i want to make it right (laughs) I want to make it right so bad. It's like the one that got away. I feel like I slept with my first Tinder date. You know what I mean? Like that's the feeling. That's the look on my face.
1: (laughs) First night sex. (laughs) So yeah. Needless to say, that one's not in your portfolio. Not at all. Not at all.
2: (laughs) But you know what? I I really appreciate those people, wherever they are. I hope they're listening now because – It really it made me the woman and designer I am now. I know my limits. I know what I'm not good at. You know that's why I call on the experts. Uh, I'm not a painter.
1: (laughs) I I I learned. I hear you. You got to know. Sometimes you have to jump in and just figure out like what you can and can't do. And those poor clients who are on the learning (laughs) the the other side of that learning curve. (laughs)
2: Yeah, you know, I think I had gotten, I think I had gotten the wrong impression of just watching, like, the, the first few seasons of Trading Spaces. Like, oh, designers paint. (laughs) No, they don't. (laughs) Designers Mm -hmm. tell you what to do. They don't do it themselves.
0: That's funny. Yeah, that's weird. It probably gives a lot of homeowners like a weird and imp- like false impression of what a designer yeah, actually does.
2: And I'm sorry, I perpetuated that my entire career. <laughs>
0: <laughs> How dare you? My okay. special
2: power is knowing what I can't do.
0: <laughs> hey, that's a really important superpower. <laughs> right? Um, I want to jump into um, your your personal life because you Recently became a mom, and uh, you have a son. And and what's his name again?
2: His name is Preston, Preston. and he just turned two last month.
0: Oh, it's such a joy!
2: It really is. I'm so honored to be his mom. I I can't believe he chose me.
0: Oh, so I want to ask you about this because I struggled with this when I had my daughter. Mm -hmm. um, you have to shift your priorities. Like you don't think you think everything's going to be okay. And then you have this baby and then you're like, Oh, this is like the number one priority in my life now. And everything else is like just the back burner stuff. So how did you rejigger your life? Prayer and wine? Just kidding. (laughs) I, 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 you know, when I
2: was younger, I could fly anywhere in the world I wanted to go I could spend my money on dumb stuff that no one needs and that I probably still don't even have and when my son came in my life it just, I got laser focus on the fact that I was in charge of this human being and I had to make sure that he not only stayed alive but like thrived and more importantly I had to give up my television he watches all Baby Shark now and I get to watch CNN on my telephone app (laughs) Mm-hmm. And, and I don't get to curse with abandon anymore. And, <laughs> <laughs> I don't get to sleep naked. And <laughs> but I wouldn't trade it for the world. I just love him. And, and I feel like, you know, I'm his shepherd in this world. And I got to protect him from the, all the things that are wrong about it and guide him in the places that are right. And it's an honor.
0: Yeah, it's a very but, exhausting honor. <laughs> it is exhausting. And you're a <laughs> mom; have you, to you get it, right? Like,
2: there's the reward is their faces.
0: Oh, absolutely, uh, absolutely. I mean, they are little terrors. I mean, I'll be honest; like, it yeah. is hard, um, and sometimes it's really hard to be diplomatic about situations because yeah. there's they can be incredibly frustrating. But yeah. then, like five minutes later, they give you a hug and say you're the best mom in the world, and you're kind of like what okay my son-, I love you exactly.
2: too. <laughs> my son last night said his first i love you oh Aww. i melted i caught it on video for the second version of it and i've been crying sending it out to everyone who with who has a text message <laughs> like my whole morning this morning was spent sending text messages to everyone going look at preston's first i love you uh Aww. it's like That's that kind of stuff excites me whereas you know before it was like too much fun excited me. A night out on the town was fun. Now I'm like in bed with my baby by 8, and that's that's everything to me.
1: And that's the joy, yeah. Yeah. Did it also kind of – I mean, how did it make you reflect back on your own childhood and the the job that your own parents did? Did you have more appreciation for it? Absolutely. I'm so grateful that I had
2: a parent that would sit home and sew my clothes versus a mom who was ripping and running in the streets. You know, I'm so grateful that my – even though when my parents got a divorce, my father was still really active in my life. I'm so grateful that that's my stock. And I hope to be able to share the same with my kid. I mean, he's just wonderful. He deserves it.
1: Yes. Well, he lucked out. He got an awesome mom. Aww. Tell him that in 13 years. All right. <laughs> you keep my phone number. I'll call him up. <laughs> <laughs> Looking back over the whole course of your whole life and your all your profession and all your loves and loves lost and motherhood and... All of it. What's the biggest, hardest, most important life lesson that you've learned? Uh, You know what? I
2: I don't know if it's a lesson, but I know it's certainly something that I uh, reflecting back on it. I'm I think and I think other people should consider it, too, is it's really important to ask yourself when people are going to tell you, oh, you're just you're from Oklahoma or you're black or you're a woman or, you know, People are going to tell you why you shouldn't do something. I think it's important to ask yourself, why not? Why shouldn't I do something? You know, I used to come, I remember telling people, I'm going to move to California. And they go, why the hell are you going to California? And I go, well, why not? You know, why why do you think you can have a career in television? I'm like, well, if it's not going to be me, it's going to be somebody else. Why not me? You know? Mm -hmm. Uh, And I still say to myself when I drive through Malibu and see these amazing houses on the hill, and I go, damn, like, why can't I have that? And then I have to remember
1: to check myself and go, well, why Why can't you have that? You know? So how did you learn that? Like, when did that lesson sink in for you?
2: Because other people have it. And why can't I? Like, there's nothing special about anybody that has something that I don't have. They just have it and I don't. And all I got to do is get it. <laughs> it's kind of like, <laughs> it's like, uh, it's like the secret, I guess, kind of. But But in my own little way, I just feel like why can't I have the shit I want and why can't, and why do other people have it? And I don't because they want it and, and I do too. So I'm going to get mm. it too. You know, I don't, I hate to feel like I was limited just because of geography or race or. Or arbitrary
1: sex. social constructs that really don't that. have anything to do with you. Yeah, Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. exactly. In fact, those are, I think my advantages sometimes, you know, being, being African-American or being a little bit more hip, you know what I mean? I, I bring some flavor to a place that was a little bit dry, you know?
1: Mad flavor. Thanks, boob.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Mac Spice.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> if I don't bring flavor, I certainly bring wine, and that'll get you in any door. Go-
1: <laughs> okay, so, so fast forward... To the future, if with this attitude, if there's nothing you can't do and there's nothing that you want that you can't get, what does your life look like 20, 30 years from now?
2: Ah, you know, I, I, I hate to g- use this as a model again. I think I'm going to be a meld between a, an Oprah and a Martha Stewart. I, you know, I want to have an empire. I want to have a legacy left behind. I want to have things and pe- I want to have products in people's homes. And I want to empower people to, to not feel trepidatious about doing. Or living the life they love, they want. I want to leave an impression behind where people feel good about being themselves, about creating things, about um, living in a world that's a little bit more tailored to themselves and, and tailored to others. And I hope I'm kind and courteous to everyone around me. I, I really want to spread good shit around. I mean, you know, you hear a lot of people in Hollywood who. who aren't nice and but pretend to be on TV and I really hope that people say Lauren was a really nice person whether she was on TV or not and and I really hope that I I, like I said I want to be able to create things that that aren't disposable that people can have in their homes that are uh, approachable affordable that last
1: that are good yeah I'm interested in the idea of legacy a lot of the females that we talk to don't bring up legacy Really? Yeah, That's I don't know why. I think a lot of times maybe they have children and so they sort of understand their children are their legacy. but I, Or maybe it's too bold to think that we could make such an impression in our professional lives that we could have a lasting legacy. But I like that you said that. It's an empowering yeah. way to look at your career as not just in this short lifetime, but – yeah.
2: I feel like design is, is one of those things like, yeah, it's colors and, you know, paint mm-hmm. and curtains and whatever else furniture, really what I'm doing, and this is really important is I'm creating spaces for people and families to thrive in, mm-hmm. you know, I, I consider this, this is one of the things that kind of really drives me as a designer is like, you know, we spend all of our time, all of our energy, all of our, all of our everything. We put all our whole selves into our careers and why, why do we do that? So we can make more money. And why do we do that? So we can have nicer things. And so we can have bigger houses or have a house, a roof overhead, period. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you sacrifice eight, 10, 12 hours a day out in these streets so that you can really pay your biggest bill, which always seems to be your home, right? Yep. And so if your home doesn't reflect you, if it doesn't rise up to greet you, if it doesn't make you feel good when you're there, then what are you doing all that stuff for? And so I help people create the homes that they're out here working so hard for. And I, I, it's not lost on me every day how much sacrifice goes into each dwelling or every space. And and so I really want to give it my all. And but besides that, then don't even take apart the home part. It's like, well, who are the people that live there, the humanity of it all? And what are you doing to get as work as hard as you have? And so I really like I'm really interested in people. And so interior design may, may have been what started my career, but I think that there's a lot more to it than just designing. And, and I really appreciate kind of the intimacy of that and what I'm bringing in what I'm doing to change people's lives.
0: I love that. Do you have a dream project that you want to complete one day?
2: Yes. I want to design the white house when it's ready for a remake. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) Who wouldn't want to do that? You know, I just, yeah, I would love to, I'd love to do that. I'd love to, um, what else? I'd love to create my own, um, production company and my own line of products and and things for the home and decor and all of that i, I really find passion in, in those products but yes the white house
1: <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> once we clean some house
1: it's
2: gonna need it's gonna need a, a mac over
0: <laughs> <laughs> i love it what about something that you're doing right now that you might want our listeners to know about
2: Well, I'd love for everyone to watch Homemade Simple on Oprah Winfrey Network. That's on Saturday mornings. So you can just get a feel from what I got going on right now every day. And of course, um, you know check out Yelp. It's super cool. I love what I'm doing with them. We're making some really great videos and doing some really cool appearances that are spreading the word about Yelp's uh, amazing request a quote feature. And, uh, you know, keep up with me on social media. That's a great way to kind of keep up with what I've got going on. I'm at Lauren Mack, L-A-U-R-E-N-M-A-K-K, on all the social media handles, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, And of course, you can also follow all of the Yelp handles, which is really just at Yelp. And then I feature a lot of videos there too.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you.
2: Yeah. And my website, which is www.homegirlnextdoor.com. Oh my God, I love that URL. (laughs) (laughs) Because I am. I'm a homegirl, but I'm literally like in your home. Right.
1: (laughs) I got the double entendre. Listen, lady, it has been absolutely uplifting to hear your voice again. I love oh, you. I love you, too, Amy Devers. I miss you so
2: much. You kiss your face for me, will you? All <laughs> right, You kiss <laughs> yours for me. <laughs> I will. And you, too, Jamie. You're a new part of my family as well. Yay.
0: <laughs> I want to come to Hawaii, too. Well,
2: come to Hawaii. Come to L.A. Whatever you got to do. <laughs> Yay. Love it. I, want again, all, I want to thank all of your listeners, too. Thank you guys so much for uh, taking the time to listen to me today. It means a lot. And I appreciate you all.
1: Well, she's a burst of energy and fire and sass and joy. It's so
0: nice to have her like happy, laughing voice to listen to and talk to. It's contagious.
1: There's a wisdom in the way that she sort of simplifies things, you know, like her whole like, why can't I have it? Why not me? It's just such a uncomplicated way of busting through all the baggage that society puts on you. Yeah, I, I think
0: I like her attitude and I, I, I agree with you that it is very simple Um, Because when we start thinking about all of the constructs and all of the politics and all of the BS um, that's been built up over time, it really makes it super complicated. But it's really not. It's as simple as why not me?
1: I'm still trying to get into it because I guess I spent a lot of my time thinking, well, it, it can't be me because until I get to acquire this skill or until I prove myself in this arena, or until I, I don't know, get this degree. And I always felt like there was another hurdle to jump over before I could be worthy of the stuff that I wanted. But, but that was, I mean, now that I look at it, it's just me putting stuff in my way.
0: Well, it's also you thinking that there's a specific path you need to take, and you have to like check these boxes before you can go from A to B. But really, it's it's also like, um, I, don't, I guess there's also like a confidence thing too. like, if you're confident that you could do it, like, why not you? And I maybe that's kind of where she's at.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I want to make sure that I'm, I don't regret any of the lessons that I learned while I was doing that. Because honestly, getting those degrees in furniture design, changed my life in a really really profound way and I don't think I would be who I am without it so it's like that was my path but I think my path was also sort of littered with deconstructing the society bullshit right where she's just kind of like not for me dusting it off (laughs) she's just
0: like I'm gonna do it anyway whatever
1: yeah (laughs) that doesn't make any sense so I'm not buying into it (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. I really love that Um, I also love that she had a crew called Illusion, (laughs) and she would go out at night and tag up trains in the train yard, and she drove a souped-up Honda with, like, (laughs) yeah. I, I just love that whole, like, growing up situation there. That just sounded, like, fun and a little bit rebellious and... I don't know, creative.
1: And with an international flavor, right? I I like that the exchange students played such a featured role in that whole thing. Well, I
0: mean, I think being in the U.S., like, Europeans just seem cooler. Yeah, totally. You're not from my small town? You must be rad. (laughs) Right. I mean, even anybody who's different, I guess, if you're in a smaller town or you know, you, you, there's like maybe less diversity of of people or cultures or whatever. It's kind of like anybody who's different. You're like, oh, like cool, Mm -hmm. you know, um, certainly there are the people who are like, you know, different. That's, I don't want that. But like for people who are creative, I think it's that curiosity that comes up and you're just like, I want to know everything about their
1: life. Yeah. Uh huh. And what's it like where you're from? And what kind of music do you listen to? Yeah. And fashion. Yeah. Yeah. Especially at that age,
0: too, where you're like really developing and you're starting to figure out who you are. And then there's all these other really cool influences from different places. And I think um, maybe her having those friends also helped her build her curiosity. But maybe also be that person who doesn't care about boundaries. Maybe that helped give her that confidence to be like, who cares?
1: Mm -hmm. I have to tell you like just out of professional admiration it was really fun to watch her on Trading Spaces because she is really she's just quick you know she's she's got a sort of defined sense of style so she can sum up a room pretty quickly and then she's got a vast database of ideas and a lot of like resourceful ways of executing them. So she'd always put like a little sort of hip hop or street art kind of embellishment in there somewhere that always felt really organic and kind of perfect. And there would always be some unexpected stuff. And she was kind of really just able to execute really fast. Well, I executed, (laughs) but but she, she worked really hard and, and her ideas came from really inspired places and it was, it was just a fun, fast paced thing. But it's like when you're working with people who can who can do it really fast. It's really fun.
0: Yeah. So I think it was really interesting that she mentioned legacy.
1: Mm -hmm. I'm fascinated by that.
0: Yeah. And it's a very different. It's very different for me because I'm not interested in legacy. But I'm fascinated by people who are and why they are and what they want. And I love that she wants to build this empire. And it, it, it makes me feel like her, her building this legacy is about her creating things that people will love and live with. And so it's all about positivity. It doesn't feel like it's all ego. You know what I mean?
1: No, but I'm going to say there's probably a healthy dose of ego in there too, which I think is really important because I think that's one of the reasons women don't talk about legacy, even if we are thinking about it, is because it's just less acceptable for women to have ego. Right.
0: Yeah, well, that's probably true.
1: But I mean, I haven't really thought about my own legacy, and it sounds like you haven't either. I've thought about stewardship, which I think is they're two facets maybe of the same stone. But I want to leave this place better than how I found it in my own way. I totally admire that because I have
0: zero desire for having any legacy at all. Really? It seems really sad. Yeah. I And I, I admire, I guess I admire that you want that. And I think that's so wonderful. But, like, I don't know why I don't. I just want to die and then be dead. Like, I, I, I don't want to be, like, remembered for anything. I, I don't know. It's weird. Maybe it's just the thing I got to work through. But...
1: No, I think this is a fascinating idea, though, and we should start asking our guests, male and female, how they feel about legacy, because I don't really know how I feel about it.
0: Well, I mean, I don't think there's like a right way and a wrong way to answer the question either. I just think it's like, what are your personal feelings and goals and, and what and why do you want this legacy, too? I think that's really interesting. Like, do you want the legacy because of ego or do you want the legacy because you have this thing you want to accomplish and you want that goal to continue. I, I, I just would love to know more about well, it. Yeah. So I definitely think we should ask our guests in the future about it for sure.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, just from an armchair sociologist perspective, I just really like to know where people are coming from with it. And I think a lot of it also has to do with wanting to change the course of your family, like going generations back and generations into the future. Like wanting to change the trajectory, especially if... Yeah, there might be a lot of that. Yeah, especially if you felt like of limited opportunity in the past and your time on this planet is a time to change the course of future generations of your family. That I totally get. Like that makes a lot of sense.
0: Yeah, if you have the opportunity to be like the first person in your family to, I don't know, go to college or Mm -hmm. whatever it is... um, and then you want to kind of set that ball rolling for future generations of your family. I I think that that makes a lot of sense. But yeah, finding out like what the reasonings are behind wanting a specific kind of legacy. Yeah. Would be interesting to talk about.
1: Well, and we should talk to Preston about that in, in 13 to 15 years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't that be fun? <laughs> I wonder what it's like could to be. have all
0: the kids on yeah. for, from all the designers yeah. that we've interviewed to find yeah.
1: out. Like, so did they accomplish their goals? <laughs> I wonder if she's like a fun mom or she's a disciplinarian.
0: I don't know. I bet she doesn't take any shit.
1: No, no. <laughs> her kids only two,
0: so <laughs> you got to wait. The threes are coming, so I think we're going to find out in the next couple years. Like how she really feels because <laughs> three puts you puts you through a lot it really does all they right. say the terrible twos but really it's the it, terrible three it is whatever. all right well god yeah it's lauren. really bad
1: <laughs> good luck it's coming down the pike yeah <laughs> thanks for listening everyone to learn more about lauren and to see images of her work you can click the link in the details for this episode on your podcast app or go to cleverpodcast.com where you can also sign up for our newsletter Subscribe to Clever on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're in the mood, please rate and
0: review us. It really helps us connect with new listeners and share all of these great stories. We also love chatting with you on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Clever Podcast. Clever is created, produced, and hosted by us, Amy Devers and Jamie Derringer, a.k.a. 2VDE Media, with music by L1011. Clever is proudly distributed by Design Milk.